Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Eating disorders are among the most misunderstood medical conditions. We might assume the people suffering from them are all wealthy or white. We might say things like, anorexia, I should be so lucky. That's definitely not the case. And in her new book, Famished, Rebecca J. Lester looks closely at the impact of these misperceptions. She argues that it's not just our lack of understanding as a society that's a problem. It's also the way the healthcare system fails to deal with these disorders. Lester is an associate professor of anthropology at Washington University, and she's also a licensed clinical social worker who went deep into the system to better understand it. And joining us today to discuss what she learned and her book Famished is Rebecca J. Lester. So Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, you write in your book very vividly about how you yourself nearly died from an eating disorder. Um, Yet from the book, it sounds like you're doing great today. Uh, What got you to this point where you're able to to look at these things um, with such good perspective on them? Right. Well, it was certainly a long journey. And I wish there were a a clear, simple answer to that question. But it's a a collection of things over a number of years. Um, I was really fortunate in that I was... um, able to get some treatment early. Um, it wasn't, you know, full, complete treatment, but it was, a, it was a great start. And I had a lot of people around me to support me. And, and I had a lot of um, dedication to the idea that something needed to be done differently. And that was actually a big motivator for me in getting well, that I knew if I wanted to make a difference in how these illnesses were understood and treated, I, need to, I needed to get well so that I would be able to do that. So that almost helped you in your own recovery was being able to approach this like a clinician. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in the book, I mean, one of the most fascinating things about this is you're studying this issue as an anthropologist, um, but at some point you realized you needed to actually become a licensed clinical social worker to get to the bottom of this. What led you to that realization? That's right. Yes. Well, I'd been interested in doing clinical work for a long time, but I had gone the anthropology route, which um, offers a lot of a lot of tools for investigating these sorts of things. But as I was doing the research, I realized that I really needed to get deeper into understanding from a clinician's point of view, what it's like to work within the system. You know, I could observe it as an anthropologist, but I needed to be on the inside in a, in a more profound way. And so that was really the motivator. And so you were there um, working with people providing treatment as well as people receiving treatment. Mm-hmm. But so much of what comes through in this book is just how frustrating um, the insurance-based system is for these providers. Tell us a little bit about those challenges. Yes, incredibly frustrating. Um, Providers oftentimes had a very clear understanding of what needed to be done or what they felt needed to be done, and um, but they were not the final arbiters of what the treatment was going to be um, for most clients who were utilizing insurance. Um, they had to get the approval through the insurance company, which may may or may not have a case manager who understood eating disorders or knew anything that was going on. And so you have people at a distance making clinical decisions for these providers who just may not have an awareness of the complexity of these these diseases. And there are some real challenges that go with these diseases. You write at one point in this book, how can you become the right kind of patient if you are by definition the wrong mm-hmm. kind of sick? Walk right. me through that. Sure. So what I mean by that is in from an insurance company perspective, they are they are businesses. They are profit-driven businesses. And so, of course, their ideal patient is somebody who comes in with a clearly defined problem where there are clear interventions and that that patient is going to follow those interventions to the T and make their way toward health. 
And that is often not the case for a number of uh, psychiatric conditions, but particularly eating disorders. It's a much more um, uh, uh, nonlinear path that people follow. And so it's difficult to be in the process of recovery and be seen as a good patient when you're struggling, when you're relapsing, when you're um, not comfortable with interventions and pushing back. All of these things that are perfectly understandable in the course of treatment, but that in the insurance company framework render somebody a bad patient. And so for the people who are on the front lines trying to help people dealing with this, um, are they just basically handcuffed by the fact that people are being sent home too early or they're being cut off from the right sort of, of interventions? Yeah, largely. I mean, I saw clinicians really try very hard to figure out, you know, alternative ways of getting people support. And um, but there aren't a lot hmm. of them. Um, and so but yes, they were oftentimes faced with a situation where they knew that a patient was not ready to go home or not ready to stop treatment, but that was what was going to happen. Hmm. Um, and they just had to watch while somebody was discharged and know that that person was going to really, really struggle, if not relapse. And then sometimes the insurance companies would use that relapse as the justification for withholding future payment for care. So you end your book with um, a call for some really big changes. What mm. are some of the most important that you'd like to see? Right. Well, there are, there are several. One is that we need to change the way we're talking about eating disorders. Um, How so? We need to understand that they are an enormous public health issue. Hmm. Um, they are very widespread. They affect more people than Alzheimer's, more people than autism. They're, they're very widespread. And we don't have enough awareness of that. We tend to think they you know, belong to this elite, upper crust, small group of people, and that's not the case. So we need to change how we're talking about them. Um, and we need to, to also change how we're educating clinicians. Um, very few clinicians get any kind of treatment, uh, any kind of training at all about eating disorders. Even psychiatrists get very little training unless they go on to do a specialization, but that's, you know, additional investment on their part. So it needs to be built into our clinical training program. For the average psychiatrist, they might have somebody suffering from this and, and maybe not even realize how big a part that is of what they're dealing with. Absolutely. Absolutely. And other clinicians as well, oftentimes it's primary care doctors or OBGYNs or other people who are really the front line. And if, but don't have the the training to know mm -hmm. what to do or how to see what's going on. Um, we need to change, of course, our insurance structure and how we pay for this, but that is unlikely to Such happen. Such a bigger problem throughout the entire medical system, but a huge part of the problem here. Absolutely a huge part of the problem. But we, we, we really need to work on destigmatizing what these illnesses are and the people who suffer from them. And so we need a greater public conversation about them. Now, in terms of some of the, the public policy health type changes, I have to say this is one of the only books that I've ever read where I sort of stumbled on an area where Missouri actually did something <laughs> right. That That's just, right. That never seems to happen in, <laughs> as I'm reading. Tell us what happened here. And I know you were a part of bringing that about. Um, yeah, we had a, a fantastic success in Missouri with the passage of a bill um, that requires insurance companies to follow the American Psychiatric Association guidelines for treatment. Um, and and this, how fascinating that would have to be legislated. Exactly. They, the insurance companies can't just follow those. You would think, right? But no, it had to be legislated. And it was a very long process. It was about a seven-year process. And lots of people who were involved in that. And, and I want to specifically acknowledge Annie Seal as uh, the spearhead of that that whole process. She was phenomenal. But, she, but that was a very long process. And she was a resident who was just sort of personally invested in trying to solve this problem. That's right. Her daughter had an eating disorder and is now 
now in recovery and doing great. Um, but that's what motivated Annie to get involved. And um, she reached out to me and a bunch of other people. And so, yeah, but it was a seven-year process to get that bill passed. But it was a huge success, and a number of other states are modeling similar legislation on the Missouri bill. You kind of had a fascinating note in there where one of the things that allowed Missouri to get this through is a tactic that you originally argued against. That's right. Um, Yes. So what happened was, you know, and I don't want to posit cause and effect. I can't say for sure. But um, the year that it passed, we, you know, we had these, these often had these uh, advocacy days at the Capitol. And um, it was decided by the group that we were going to invite a former Miss Missouri to come and speak on behalf of the bill, which I personally was not in a huge favor of. Um, but the group thought this was, you know, the way to go. And they were right. It got everybody's attention. The legislatures turned out for this. They absolutely did. It was packed and people coming out of their offices and, and looking over the balcony and, you know, how much they were listening. I don't know, but they were there. And is your, your, your resistance to that, was that in part because it does kind of play into the stereotypes that this is for beauty queens? That's right. Um, do we have much data? Do we know who this all affects across society? Well, we're getting better data. Um, our data has been really limited to uh, treatment centers at major universities. So, of course, you're going to get, a, get a, a skewed picture of who that is. But we're getting better community data. And from what we can, are learning, it really affects people of all races, all ethnicities, all socioeconomic um, categories, really across the board. Hmm. It may look a little bit different for different groups, but it is a an equal opportunity affliction. And so as the, our knowledge of that continues to grow, do you think that's something that can be used to, um, to put pressure on that there would actually be some better solutions here? I absolutely hope so. And this is part of the raising awareness and greater public education about what these illnesses are. And so with this book now, I mean, mm-hmm. is that something where you've been able to have these conversations and able to, to advocate for this community? Um, to an extent, yeah. I mean, certainly not with insurers yet, although we will see. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely with the with the general public, I've gotten, you know, the opportunity to speak to a lot of different audiences, and, and I, I'm hoping that it's making some inroads. So Rebecca J. Lester's book is called Famished. It's Eating Disorders and Failed Care in America. Um, in our last minute here, what's the one thing that you would hope people would take from this book and this conversation we're having today? Oh, one thing. Um, can I, well, I have two things there that are go. related. <laughs> um, the first thing that came to mind is compassion, mm-hmm. that people need to have compassion for what these illnesses are and how difficult it is to live with one and how difficult it is to recover from one. Um, and related to that, recognizing that people don't have all the information mm-hmm. and that you may think you know what's going on, but there's so much more that people need to learn and understand. And I think those two things are definitely related. Okay. And if anyone wants to know more, this book is an absolutely great place to start. And I'm sure for people who know a little, it's it's also a great place to learn a lot more. You really go deep on, on so many interesting areas of it. So uh, Rebecca Lester, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And that book, again, it's called Famished, Eating Disorders and Failed Care in America. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.